Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, see that? I wanted to wait for like the music intro on the beat. And it was timed Gonna perfectly. Drop it. Welcome to the True Wealth Radio Show, the best Tuesday you have had all week. In studio with me today, Matt Dixon. I'm here again. And guess what, gang? This is official. Matt. Hot Congratulations, right? Yes. Right. Congratulations. He's officially passed his Series 65 exam, which that hill has gotten steeper over the years. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm pretty sure Matt's a lot smarter than me because that test is no joke. Yeah, it felt like climbing Everest, but we've reached the top, so yep, it feels so good. Congratulations, young man. Uh, we're excited to officially say that he is now a legal financial advisor. And I'm or, stoked about it. Yep. Or at least if we're going to say it that way, there's probably some like, well, this agency's got to report to that agency. Yeah. And but you know what? Mission accomplished. We're exactly. good. Exactly. So, uh, so, so now the real work starts. Yeah. I'm excited <laughs> for it, though. I'm ready to hit the ground running. Yeah. Well, we're, we're excited, too. Uh, so welcome to the team. Of Thank course, you. you've been on air for a while. and. Uh, I always knew, right? I always knew. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> much faith. I didn't know. But <laughs> no, no, I did not. <laughs> you had more faith than I did in myself, so. Well, you know what? I'm glad that you went through it. Uh, it gives you, a, doesn't it give you a different perspective on just what's involved for the industry? It does. And, you know, I look back and I reflect on when I took the test the first time, right? I came so close to passing it, missed it by a couple questions. But that extra time in between studying, I feel like I learned the content just so much more than even the first time that I took it. And I feel a lot more prepared. Um, so I think it was all, you know, in perfect timing. So it's, it's valuable. And then you also realize the scope of what's involved. Oh, there's right? so much. There's, I think for a lot of our listeners, they may not uh, understand just how broad the industry is and so when you when you take sort of a general exam mm -hmm. they can pull from so many places that's the hardest part is you have to know so much about so many different things mm -hmm. and and they'll get into things that they don't necessarily now many of us have experienced this where you may have some kind of industry credential or something that you had to learn but you just don't use it with any regularity because mm -hmm. it's not a typical part of the job right you know and this would be things like when they ask you what year a specific act was passed or something mm -hmm. You're like i don't know that it matters when it happened that's a history lesson that's not a context lesson right right but for some reason they, they'll put it there like you're yeah. kidding or how long must you retain records of this type and you roll your eyes back and go we'll just keep them forever will that solve the problem yeah <laughs> you know? yep. so so we kind of keep the lowest common denominator, which is typically seven years, I think, for everything except for like the firm organization documents. So, uh, and so it's like, well, you keep it for seven years before you get rid of and it. And now with all the like cloud that. stuff, it's like, just keep it forever and never have to worry about it, right? Oh, we'll talk about that later. There's compliance oh, issues. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's the, but the point is that, you know, the there's all of these elements that will... Uh, I guess you don't know that they're even there. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not that you don't know that you don't know. It never even occurred to you to know. <laughs> so yeah. that's the wild part. Anyway, I am stoked for you. And so 
it's it's sort of interesting now. Uh, I we were talking about topics today and what we might be able to uh, share with folks, and it really occurred to me that the way that we were looking at topics, there is an element actually at play there that I think is really important for our listeners. And I we haven't talked before the show, ladies and gentlemen. Well, so, so this is th- the this, first time here. What do we got? For you, but so it's the sourcing your data. Sourcing your okay. data. Okay. Now, let me just give you an example, just for the fun of it. Okay. okay? I'm going to go to Yahoo Finance and I'm going to start reading a few headlines. Okay. The first one: Bitcoin nears all-time high on heels of ETF excitement, and then it's got a little source: Yahoo Finance video. Can scroll down a little bit in business. Kevin O'Leary sees trillions coming to crypto, but he still loves these dividend stocks. Okay, mm-hmm. and then there's one that says Jeff Bezos' new boat is bigger than the Titanic. Uh, okay, that is an ad. It actually registers there, but but here's where it was sort of getting interesting. I went to another place like, uh, oh, how about this one? Home Depot billionaire says, "Look out, America." That's an ad. Hmm. Okay. Um, underneath it, analyst reports Zion's Bank Corporation National Association. I don't even know what's in there, right? Um, what makes Sarasota the best place to retire in 2021 and 22? Okay, and that's uh, from U.S. News and World Report. They, Yahoo is at least nice enough to give a tiny little byline that says where things come from. Most of them don't. Many don't. So here's an interesting one. Seven mistakes people make when choosing a financial advisor. Okay. okay. This is from Investopedia, which is a pretty decent source. And they're source. pretty unbiased, right? Okay. Um, the subtlety of this is the byline is sponsored by oh. Smart Asset. Now, let me explain what's going on. There's a there's another actual byline from Michael Carvin, CEO of Smart Asset. Uh, and so there's sort of a there's bullet points in here and other exposition, but let's just read the bullet points real quick. Okay. One of them. Uh, so of the things to look for, seven mistakes people make when choosing a financial advisor. One, hiring an advisor who is not a fiduciary. <laughs> Two, hiring the first advisor you meet. Three, choosing an advisor with the wrong specialty. Four, picking an advisor with an incompatible strategy. Five, not asking about credentials. Six, not understanding how they are paid. And seven, trying to hire an advisor on your own. So let's just pick this apart for a second. Okay. Uh, because I'm going to go with, you know, do we or don't we agree for a moment? Okay, so one, hiring an advisor who's not a fiduciary. Uh, yeah, you better not. So I, I, I agree with that largely. Yeah. Now keep in mind that as a fiduciary myself, and Matt, you as well mm-hmm. now, we're, and, and uh, you know, so this, technically this program, it, while we try to present it, very, very agnostic, right? Mm-hmm. We try to just provide the data. It's not a sales pitch. But legally speaking, this is an advertisement. So uh, is, we're, a, we're a financial firm. We're fiduciaries. One of the things that a fiduciary is supposed to do is disclose if there's a conflict of interest. Right. So interestingly enough, you now hear me explaining, by the way, this program is in fact an advertisement. Mm-hmm. So by disclosing that, I'm trying to help make you as a listener aware of the possibility of a conflict. Right. So now you can take what I am saying, run it through your own filter and say, is that dude full of it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so, but, but I think hiring a, an advisor who's not a fiduciary, although I am a fiduciary, I think that's wise. Of course. Because remember, fiduciary is a legal obligation to put your interests ahead of their own. Mm-hmm. Right? We can roll with that. Next, hiring the first advisor you meet. Eh, I, 
it, that's that's pretty subjective. I mean, if the first person you meet is awesome and you guys are, you know, thinking along the same lines and you feel like it's a good fit and you can trust them, I don't see why you automatically have to turn down the first advisor you meet. Right. And and or maybe you meet the first advisor and then you go meet several others and you go back to the first advisor, sure. right? That's possible. Uh-huh. Okay. So uh, now they are. This article is advocating that you do some vetting and you know do Which you should do some homework, uh, but but nevertheless, that's what's going on there. So the next one, choosing an advisor with the wrong specialty. So uh, whether and, and they're they're saying, well, some advisors may specialize in retirement or specifically business owners, maybe physicians or high net worth clients or uh, just they they have some other unique niche, uh, maybe. Yeah. Right? I mean that that we're, it's a little bit more. Uh, there are financial advisors that have specialties. Uh, the the larger the metropolitan area, the more likely for a specialty, probably. Mm-hmm. Although generally speaking, specialists aren't even marketing themselves as advisors any longer. They're specialists. Yeah. Right. So you're unlikely to stumble upon a specialist like that. And here's the funny thing, right? Um, specializing in retirement planning. That's that's really super niche yeah right that's that's uh probably not because if you just specialize in retirement planning but you're not looking at things like estate planning and doing any kind of risk mitigation you're really missing a lot of the puzzle there yeah okay how about picking an advisor with an incompatible strategy Uh, i have news for you if you're picking a fiduciary advisor that shouldn't be a significant right because they're just going to put your interest at the forefront well, or of they're their... going to tell you that the strategy is incompatible because that's their fiduciary obligation. That too. That too. Right. So that appoints a little bit redundant. How about not asking about credentials? Okay. Uh, I, I have to be honest. While I think that credentials matter, uh, I think that, that what they're advocating is that somebody should be a certified financial planner in this article. Now, again, personally, full disclosure, I'm a certified financial planner. Mm-hmm. So I could sit there and go, oh, yeah, that's great advice. But I got to tell you, there are some great advisors out there that aren't certified financial planners. They're still highly competent and capable. So, yeah. And there are also some CFPs that are not. Sure. So I would keep that in the back of your mind, too, is that just because somebody has managed to pass a test or survive it doesn't mean that it's going to be that, uh, that the experience is going to translate to a great experience for you. Okay. Now, number six, I think this one's kind of important. It ties back into number one, which is the fiduciary advice. How are the advisors? How is the advisor paid? Right. Mm-hmm. Very few financial advisors are financial social workers. Right. They're not just doing it out of pure benevolence. It's not to say that it doesn't happen on occasion. There, there. In fact, there are some practices like ours included that we take a limited number of clients per year entirely on a pro bono basis just to help yeah right so that can happen but it's not typical so understand what are folks getting paid for are they getting paid commissions are they getting fees it's essentially hunting for conflicts of interest Uh, but then the last one on the list trying to hire an advisor on your own so Wait a second here. Yeah, that you one's got me to, a little confused. So this article <laughs> just said that you need to not pick the first person. It says you should go through all these things and then don't hire it on your own. Well, it turns out that the sponsored by Smart Asset, what they are is Do a they find service it for you? 
that helps you find local fiduciary advisors, typically CFPs. They and then they get paid. Well, for it. they 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 pay to put people on their search yeah. platform and they match you up. So they're a matchmaking service, and so the the catch here is that isn't it interesting that in the, uh, the the very span of saying well you should find a fiduciary and yet have they they've notified you that it's sponsored by them but they haven't said what they do whether or not well maybe at the bottom of the article does it say that um, it, it no it doesn't say in here you probably have to get into their disclosures and read the fine print to say that you know smart asset gets gets paid a referral fee if they uh, match you with an advisor isn't that funny so the point here is know your data source. This is going to come up time and time again. I want to spend a little more time on the show today talking about where do we get our data and how to how, what are some of the things you can do to validate it? You can't always validate all the data, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. You try your best, but it doesn't mean that it's going to happen. But what can we do to give ourselves at least a fighting chance? I'll tell you after this first insane profit break. Okay. All right. So stick around. We will be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Uh, Dave Littlejohn in studio with me today. Matt Dixon. I feel like it's happening a lot. It is. Draggy in studio. I feel like you like coming I do. Show. It's he's fun. A if you want to see, he's get, he is getting better, just so you know. You can check the podcast for proof, available at littlejohnfs.com, under the What We Are About section of that page. Yep. Right? It's Full of fascinating information, by the way. And if you hate finance and can't sleep, read it. It'll be amazing, right? If you love finance and can't sleep, oh, it's going to keep you fired up. There you go. Actually, it's not bad, right? No, uh, we do. I think we do a good job on the website. It's uh, this is one of those where it reflects the personality of the firm a fair amount, mm -hmm. right? And, and I don't know where this happened, but. Well, yeah, I do. I I, re I rejected the corporate culture pretty hard. <laughs> uh, you know, came up through the channels and ultimately said I would like to start a boutique firm. And and please understand, I'm using this I phraseology. I'm sorry that it's. I'm not trying to be a narcissist here. It's just that that was one of those where, please, can we have some personality in the business? Please, can we have a little bit of humor and levity in what we're doing? Because all these mega firms out there. They run all of the things they say through all of their lawyers, and they just take all of the personality out, mm -hmm. and you're left with the most sterile, cold, unexciting things. And, oh, here's a brochure that's got our multi-racial whatever this that says nothing, right? It's like, yeah. well, I mean, it's kind of a pretty picture of nobody that we know who's, they're all perfect, and you're going, what just happened? Yeah. I have to sneeze. <laughs> What you're trying to say is the personal relationship touch, where you actually really know the true person behind the seat, isn't really there. How about authenticity yeah. and communication, right? I mean, that, where you just think, I feel like maybe we could do better. So I wanted to have that real communication and realize that 
a little sense of humor in finance. There's nothing wrong with that because this stuff is dry. Man, this is plain toast. <laughs> if, if you got to really love it to, to be wired in a unique way to make it kind of interesting. I find it interesting all the time, but I think that's just like the nerd in me a little bit, like the numbers. I love the numbers. So, and I'm not in and in, in the numbers in and of themselves aren't what's interesting to me. It's what it does. It's a big puzzle. Yeah. Right? To me, it's this big puzzle. Exactly. And and our clients have their unique circumstances. And so first you got to figure that out, mm -hmm. right? And then you're solving a puzzle with them. Hey, how can we optimize this? Make it go further. Get, you know, get more of the stuff out of life that you're looking for. No day is ever really the same at the office, is it? No, there's a there's the the framework's really similar, but what happens is, mm -hmm. is just it's a refresh again and again and again. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I'll be lying if I tell you I haven't made the same joke on occasion because you know it's low hanging fruit and it's funny, <laughs> but it, it just keeps it just keeps getting reinvented. It's new. Mm -hmm. So that part's fine. Then they change the rules too, so you have to learn it all over again. That part's probably more frustrating than anything. Yeah, I I do have to say, uh, I like I posted, right when you get good at it, right? Then they got to change it on and you. And they index it for inflation and it's moving around. I mean, heaven's sake, I remember when Roth IRA. Well, I remember before Roth. I remember the IRA limits of two thousand dollars. Really? Yeah, two thousand dollar IRA limits. And today, what I year was that? My God, uh, in the nineties. Was it right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, is back in the day, but hey, uh, and and there's some fun in that too because I can genuinely look someone in the eye and say, look, we eat our own cooking, we do the practice the things that we're, we're preaching, mm -hmm. and so the the results do work because we've lived through that, and I've been through now three material market corrections, you know, the mm -hmm. 2000 correction, the 08 just blistering, and then. The COVID correction, which was really a, the classic V shape, right? Like went down really hard and then snapped back up really hard. Uh, so anyway, I always think the the name and letter shapes, oh, is it going to be a V or a W or an L or a hockey stick? or a, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's funny. So back to our point here, Matt. Yeah. I'm talking about the data. So we just went through an article. It's, you know, it's the seven this or the seven that. What is this illustrative of in general? Like, what does the internet want you to do? They want to sell you something. <laughs> yes, yeah. they do. They want to sell you me, something. Click me. Yeah. So it's just a bunch of clickbait, right? Like it, at the it, end, like so much of that. Uh, and, and then you eventually end up someplace where you're like, "How did I even get here?" You just six or seven clicks later, you're way off topic so from where you started. we used to call that, uh, I had a teacher that called that the serendipity search. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I look at this, I did this and this. It's hard. You have to be uh, quite disciplined in your searching or you can get off track in a hurry. And Facebook's getting really good at that too. Like they oh. know how to get you onto the next video or the next thing. Hey, I bet you like this. Yeah, I do. And you're like, how did I even get here 20 minutes later? Well, first of all, these algorithms that are learned, people don't necessarily think of what the algorithm is, but they're watching where you pause. They're mm -hmm. watching where your mouse goes. They're watching what you click on. And they're getting a sense of what stuff catches your attention. And then they feed you more of that. Yeah. Right? And one of the things that I remember hearing about is that they study the casino gaming industry. Oh, wow. Casino gaming has done a lot of research on how to increase people's time in the casino or at the machine. Right? Okay. So they're, they're essentially 
uh, and whether whether this is ethical or not is not the relevant point here. They are learning the psychology of the gambler and how to get them to stay in that feedback loop. And we're all gamblers in a sense when well, you kind of think I, about it. Whether we are or not, I'll tell you that they have learned your behaviors yeah. and they are figuring things out. And what they are learning about people is spooky. You know, mm -hmm. As an example, my understanding is that uh, big data, and we use that term kind of in a broad spectrum, but like Google and Facebook and so forth, at one point, I don't remember where I heard this, so I should probably do fact checking before I throw it on the radio, but it's just too juicy not to share it. Mm -hmm. okay? They can predict before a person commits to it whether or not you're going to get a divorce. Really? Mm-hmm. That's wild. It's very wild, but they can start to see the behaviors of people as they break apart and how their search behaviors start to change, and they go, uh-oh. So, wow. Yeah, it, huh. and the sad thing is, if that could be harnessed for good, yeah, if you knew something right. was going on and you could save people, that would be very different than if you just used it to say, well, okay, well, keep feeding them this because we can get more time with them and mm -hmm. try to separate them from their money or separate someone else from their money. Because right, if you go to Facebook, right, you're not paying for Facebook. Guess who is? Everyone who's trying to sell you something. Yeah, all those advertisers yeah. are buying the data to understand how to get their product in front of you because you are a specific target to them. Mm -hmm. So the clickbait model is interesting, and that's why I think knowing the data source is really important or right. what's influencing the data. Okay, I like the direction you're taking yeah. this. When we talked about this program, Okay, let's be really, really, I, I've not shied away from this before either. Mm -hmm. What do we do on this program? We try and educate. Right. Why do we do that? So that people can make the decisions that are best for themselves. Right. What's in it for us? Well, at the end of the day, if we can give you an awesome service and help you out, then financially we're compensated. Well, for, yeah, so ultimately what it comes down to is, for a paid advertisement mm -hmm. that is selling the what we're, what we're selling in a sense is giving away information yep then there's a calculated risk here okay mm -hmm. and the calculated risk so it's funny people are like wow we're really pulling the curtain back on this yeah i'm okay admitting this is we want to first prove that we are competent at yeah. what we're doing so that starts with let's give you accurate information let's try to be fair and as unbiased as possible about it because in a fiduciary relationship, it's built on trust. The people that utilize our service come to us for a number of reasons. Some people uncomfortable doing it themselves. Mm -hmm. Okay, they 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 don't have the skill set. They lack the confidence. Uh, others they lack the bandwidth. Right, they're just really busy and they need sure. help with it. Uh, some of them they just genuinely don't like it. Right, like mm -hmm. I don't I don't I, well like I don't mow my lawn. Not because uh, I can't. Right. Uh, I grew up with lots of yard. To me, it's a super luxury, and I'm grateful to have our our yard service that, that comes and they do a, a great job, and I'm glad to have them. And so that part is awesome because they free me up to do stuff that I love more on a Saturday or Sunday mm -hmm. than mow the lawn. Right. So. How if, we trade our time. It's how we trade our time. And, and what we do here is just try to give you, again, it's that fair information, right? You, you as a listener are going to make your decision. If you need the help, 
you're going to start searching out there. You may follow some of those seven suggestions that we read earlier in the show about how are you going to search for an advisor, okay? Mm-hmm. And you may even decide that, hey, maybe it's your brother-in-law, right? Maybe that's the search because you're like, oh, I got a family commitment. I got to do this. Maybe it's not. You know, maybe I'm going to go shopping and at some point we speak. That could happen, okay? Sure. But the trick is not to turn it into a pressure situation, but a trust situation. I like that. And so that's not a trick at all, right? When you fully no. disclose, it's like, well, look, we'll tell you if we're a good fit. And then you'll decide whether or not our value proposition meets your needs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I'm actually an advocate of people being able to do stuff themselves. So we don't we don't really hold back on this show. We tell you what how how things work. What you'll notice we don't do is we don't give specific personalized advice. Why is that? Because it varies person to person. Right. And because there's a legal issue with that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you listening right now, if I'm talking to you, that's great. But if I'm talking to the person next to you and you think I'm talking to you, now we got a problem, right? Because you could misinterpret that advice and go do something that could be damaging. That's why advice needs to be personalized. Mm-hmm. Okay? But that's why we can talk about concepts and then you can determine whether or not to apply that in your world. Okay, yeah. So we don't talk about specific investments on this show. And if we are, we're usually clarifying we're not giving advice, right? We're just talking about the investments. Disclaimer, disclaimer. Exactly. We hammer that home because I don't want to mistakenly lead you down the wrong path because you assume something from a radio guy. Bad idea. Okay. So instead, let's talk about getting you educated. And then if you become – getting educated is like becoming a librarian, right? You don't have to know or understand everything, but it means you're a good – data finder you're like the king of analogies do you know that like you always have an analogy like right on the top of your head i just make stuff up it's great you're good at it though (laughs) well you know uh thank you i suppose very flattering uh but nevertheless for our listeners you get the idea right and yeah and so we'll try to do if if there's a couple things we learned from jesus one of them is you can speak in parables it can be powerful so we'll work with that are we going to just do all parables during the next section i don't think i've got it in me but we are going to take another break (laughs) so uh stick around uh we are going to continue to talk about how to source data and we're going to talk about some of the clues that you can get where you can understand whether or not maybe that stuff is real or not real, but first this okay. insane profits break. Stick around, it's Dave Little John. And Matt Dixon. Yeah, True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Little John in studio with Matt Dixon. All right, Matt, take it away. Okay. We're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff, and go, David, go. (laughs) Oh, that's fun. That's fun. Uh, So, look, today we're talking a lot about understanding your data sources, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason that this comes up is because uh, there's been many times where people have brought me articles or other things, and what happens is they're, they're based on a kernel of truth, Right. There's some element of truth associated with it. But as you get into it, you realize there's a few formulas that the Internet uses in order to attract you to things. And then when you start getting into it, you, you realize like, up, oh, they did it again. 
Do you, right? got, do you got an example for me of something that's kind of like that? Well, usually they're headline things, right? So, okay. Um, I, I was just looking at an article that said, you know, the, the seven best dividend stocks for yield right now. Okay. And you get in there, and there, sure enough, there are seven dividend stocks that are listed. But then you also realize that the author of it is a service that you can pay to subscribe to that gives you lists of stocks. So they're giving and so you forth. just some generic stuff. So well, that, they may even be giving yeah. you some stuff. But what they're doing is they're saying, if you want the good stuff, it's behind a ah. paywall. Yeah, right? you never get all the good stuff for free, right? Right. So I have seen more people suckered into buying some kind of like subscription service for a newsletter or a software or some kind of web service that's going to tell you how to make your millions. Oh, I know. And and I ask people this question, and they kind of stare back at me for a moment before they go, "Huh? You know, if you had a secret." Like, like, if you had a money tree in the backyard, <laughs> are you telling people about it? Right? I mean, that's, yeah. the, that's the question. So if you had an exploit in the stock market, do you turn around and tell everybody about it? Or do you just keep using that exploit to make millions and millions and millions of dollars? Well, devil's advocate. I mean, I guess if they tell you about it and you go buy it, and the volume goes up or the supply and demand changes, in theory, it could drive the price higher. Aha. Uh -huh. So you that is not an exploit though. You okay. know what we call there's there's a there's a name for that. If if somebody is it called, were to that's not front running, is it? Uh, nope. Nope. So front running is understanding that somebody else is about to make a trade and you make a trade in front of them that, to try to get in front of what they're they will do to change the market. Well, that kind of could fit in. So the term, though, is what is sometimes referred to as pump and dump. Oh, right? okay, so pumping that's right. up the You're price right. of a stock by marketing to people to try to increase the demand mm -hmm. for shares. And, and then so you offload it at a profit, and then it drives the price down after they else, got into there's it. There's no buyers yeah. left, and then all the pro sudden the, the, the price crashes, right? Right. So... This is where I, I tell the retail investor, you need to be really, really careful about those sorts of things, because especially things like penny stocks, if you're not, you need to look at the, the type of volume that's being traded in those stocks. Mm -hmm. Again, not investment advice, this is investment warnings. Okay, this is about where are some of the traps, not where, not which stock is a trap, but like be careful. Because if you find a stock that's trading for 20 cents, Right, mm -hmm. and you like I can buy a hundred dollars worth of that stock. I can go get six hundred, you know, five hundred shares of it. Right, and, and then you yeah, get a bunch of can. other people that come in and, and invest, and, then, and you say, and yeah. look at this thing; it's trading two million shares a day. I said okay, but the the math on it's pretty fun, right? I mean, what do you have if you get you know two million shares at twenty cents? How many shares is that? Right. So, so I'm sorry, I did that backwards. That's about a hundred thousand dollars of trading. Mm -hmm. So a hundred thousand dollars of trading at twenty cents a share. Maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's fifty thousand dollars. I think that's. I think that's. Yeah, I think. Oh, that's you make wrong. me bust out the calculator here, uh, David. I'll do it. I got a calculator right here. So okay. Fifty thousand um, dollars divided by twenty cents a share. That's two hundred fifty thousand shares. So I guess it's two hundred thousand dollars. Okay. So two hundred thousand dollars is the total trading volume. You put a hundred thousand into that. Go. Well, how yeah. many people are trading it? Right. Right? Well, 200,000 is better than trading 10,000. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's really low volume. And on but, a penny stock, the volume might be pretty yeah. low. But see, $200,000, you know what they call that in uh, trading at Amazon? Nothing. Yeah, uh, not even a rounding error, yeah, right? Yeah, that's not even a drop in the bucket. Right? They, they call that one investor in some cases. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you could, if you go out and buy $5,000 on a stock that only trades $250,000 or $200,000 a day, you're 2.5% of the total trading volume for the day. Yeah. That's a pretty, you start moving the market on that. I know. So that's the gotcha is that these penny stocks oftentimes look like they may be an interesting deal because, oh, look at how much the price is going up. Look at the volume that it's going up on. And if you see giant volume spikes all of a sudden, you have to kind of wonder, what happened here? Was it was somebody promoting that stock or doing something that drives it higher? And who's it's you're falling into the bigger fool theory, right? Mm-hmm. The bigger fool is the one that uh, is the the the. It's when the music stops. Who doesn't have a chair, right? If I can sell it to somebody else for more, yeah, then a bigger fool is willing to buy it than me. Okay, but if I'm the last one, I'm the biggest fool. And right. That's the tricky spot that you don't want to find yourself in. Ah. And that is uh, one of the things that again, know your data is our, who's selling you what, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, sometimes you just get news stories and they're not necessarily selling a whole lot, but they still are, right? Especially on the internet because you look at all those ads around you, right? What they're hoping is that you'll read this article and then in the process of reading through all the other ad placements, you'll click on an ad and that click that you make does generate revenue, right? So even when you think you might be getting a completely unbiased source because you Googled it, that might not be the case. Well, right. And, you know, Google has their own algorithms. Like, how do you get to the top of the Google list? You pay to be there. Yeah. Or you have to figure out all of the different things that the Internet is looking for to take your article and move it to the top. Mm-hmm. And in so doing that, the big data vendors are going to look at all the behaviors of the people now that are trying to find that information. So, right, if you get to the top of Google, you're also useful for Google. Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting to know what the internet's going to look like in like a hundred years? Wouldn't that be insane to be able to take a sneak peek of that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean look at how much it's evolved in ten years. Imagine what it'll look like in a hundred. Yeah, and and I. Could not tell you. No. Right? I mean, because keep in mind the internet, what, arguably 50 years ago, we didn't have the internet. Right. I mean, we might have had like DARPAnet or something, but it was uh, way early. So it, it's evolved a lot. I mean, golly, 30 years ago, there was no Facebook. Mm-hmm. Really, 20 years ago, there was not really much Facebook. We were saving things to flash drive, or to uh, not flash drives, but to the little floppy disks, you know? Yeah. And so now it's like, do you now there's cloud the based. actual floppy though? I use the, like, them. the one with the hard disk with the little sliding. I was at RHS that. using those to save my writing assignments. Oh, and then yeah. when you don't click save fast enough, you don't have a cloud to back you up. You just lose everything and you I start swear again. there's more computing power in my wristwatch than there was on oh, the. Oh, absolutely. The, you know, than my computer in college, I think. So yeah. it's crazy. Anyway, we digress. Look. Uh, the the point of this whole endeavor is to, to to just understand that we're always getting sold something online, mm-hmm. and, and, and in a lot of respects, we're getting sold something on the news. Right. Yep. So so it's important for us as investors to try to understand and unpack that. This all comes back to what we're experiencing today in modern day. Uh, if you look at the markets, right, one of the most common questions that we've had in the last couple of weeks is, 
You know, are they going to drop? When are they going to drop? This, when is the stock market going to crash? Sure, right? it I mean, okay today. Um, do you know what the 52-week high for the S&P 500 is? I don't. $4,545.85. And that was hit, I believe, on September 2nd. Okay. All right. So if that's the case, then do you know what today's closing price was? I'm going to guess it wasn't too, too far off of that. $4,519.63. Hmm. So we're now within about $26 yeah. of the, and that's less than a, than an all-time it's high. Le, it's, it's about 0.6% right. away from an all-time high. And so uh, I've- And I've, that's after coming back from a little bit of a ding too. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, there, there's been dings. And guess what? If you're out there saying to yourself, it's bound to happen, I mean, you're right. The question is when and what is behavior Is it 10 years it. from now? Is it five years from now? Is it 20 years from now? You just don't know. You, you, well, you don't really know. Now, are, are we seeing inflation out there? Sure. Absolutely, we yeah. are. Okay. Uh, are we seeing um, a mess in Washington, D.C.? Yes. Absolutely, we are. Are we hearing about all kinds of bottlenecks at ports of entry and supply chain disruption? Yep. Uh, yeah. Yes. Right. That's nothing. Hopefully, there. LA can help alleviate some of that yeah, with hopefully. the twenty-four hour. I forty percent. Did you know it's forty percent of everything that's shipped into the United States comes through Los Angeles? Uh, I, yeah, I knew it was something exotic that's, like that's that. That's crazy. And then a, a fair amount comes through Texas as well, as I understand. Huh. But but uh, I mean, there's there's multiple ports of call. I mean, they, both East Coast and West Coast. But yeah, LA is just massive. Mm-hmm. I mean, huge. Uh, when you think about Long what, Beach and the entire, I wonder what the area. second largest one is outside of LA. I don't know. I don't. We don't have fact checkers and Googlers yeah. on our show. Hmm. Uh, so the, the the point though is, there's all kinds of issues out there, mm-hmm. right? And then of course we've got what about the next unknown variant of the COVID virus, or what umpteenth version of vaccination mandate will there be? And right, uh, you know, will it mean that? You know, these people have to, you know, at gunpoint get a, a vaccine, but these other people don't. And I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But the, the questions that we have to ask are, what are the things that make the market melt down? Right. And it's not just because. No, I mean, maybe maybe that's what well, it is. But, yeah. But what changes the supply and demand curve so radically that the market has to change? You're looking at me like this is a question. And if so, I'm going to stick to my guns and say supply and demand. So we'll we'll ta- we'll tackle it at the last segment here. But oh, yes, we last last break of the day. Okay, we're going to grab it. Stick around, and we'll be back, and you know we'll we'll bring it home. So this is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon today, talking about knowing your data and talking about kind of the, the final home stretch of what, what I want to bring home, which is, you know, here we are, the S&P is recovering to nearly all-time highs. People keep asking me, when is this going to crash? And my answer continues to be, well, I don't know, 
when it's going to crash, but I can tell you the things that cause crashes. Is this like a top three list, the top two, it's or are we just going to focus on one area? It's none of the above. It's it's okay. actually this. This is a concept that if I think if our listeners will pay attention to this one, then it's going to give you a good filter so that when you're looking at the data, you can say, is this data useful or not? Because sometimes you just need a, like a system or at least something to help you say, is this real or am I getting snowed? Right? Okay. And... The, the, the thing is, remember the very most basic element of what determines price, okay? Supply and demand. Mm -hmm. And so you have to ask yourself, does this piece of data somehow change supply or demand? Right. right? Now, does inflation change supply or demand? It's, it's kind of a trick question, isn't yeah. it? Because inflation is a symptom of changes in supply and demand. Okay. Okay. It didn't. It didn't cause the supply and demand change. It's the result of this change in supply yeah. and demand. Right. Now, inflation does change things. I mean, it's it's representative. It's, you would expect the change because if things cost more, then this because you need more dollars, right? If you if you have only so many dollars in circulation and things get more expensive, fewer dollars are going to be able to be allocated to that area. So you should see some demand destruction because the price is higher, right? I think that's fewer a good way of saying fewer it. Fewer people are willing to pay the higher price, and so there will be less demand as price goes up. Okay, It's just like gas usage declines as gas prices go up, typically. Now, over time, the, the usage remains fairly constant, but the initial shock is people will substitute or they'll, you know, they'll take their car instead of their truck and things the like that. carpooling lane fills up. Yeah. And those are elements of price adaptation or, you know, you, you, you go shorter trips or staycations, that kind of stuff, because you get priced out of the travel. Well, those are examples of, you know, you've changed part of the supply and demand curve. Mm -hmm. Okay, If taxes go up, then you would have less discretionary income in your pocket, right? If you have fewer dollars that you can spend at your discretion, you'll spend on the necessities first, and then you'll substitute for other stuff, and some stuff gets omitted entirely, right? Maybe you don't buy the hot tub because that's just too discretionary. Instead, you stick to making sure you're paying the bills and keeping food on the table, right? Maybe you fix your car instead of buying a new one. Those are all... There's no fun in that. Maybe it's not fun, but that's the way <laughs> substitution works, yeah. right? Uh, there's the old economic expression. If you can't afford steak, then you end up getting burgers. If you can't afford burgers, maybe you get chicken. If you can't afford chicken, you, you know, maybe you're getting hot dogs. And if you can't do that, you're getting peanut butter. Like you're making your way down the chain. All the way to Top Ramen. So, you know what? Uh, except for the part where Top Ramen's still awesome. So Never I had it. Tell you. Well, it's not my fault that you're uncultured. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's still like less than 30 cents a pack. How you, is that even possible? It's Explain it's, that one to me. Noodles. There's not much to noodles, dude. Noodles and salt. There's it's not much still to Still like 30 cents. How do they do it? <laughs> it's one of life's greatest you gotta mysteries. You got to go with volume. That's the answer there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the... I want you to keep that filter in mind. There's, and then, then the next filter is, is somebody trying to sell you something? Now, that what they're trying to do is influence how much demand there is, right? I want you to believe you need this thing because I'm trying to influence demand for my product and that's how I'm going to sell more of it. 
And that's that's the trick is if I can either convince you that you need it, like turn a want into a need in your mind, then you're more likely to purchase it. And boy, do we do that culturally. Should I just like derail the whole show and be like, you know what, guys, you do need some something here. You need financial advice and so who do you like turn to when you need that (laughs) you like derail the whole show well since the whole show is winding up here in two minutes i don't know that you have time to really derail it Ah. Uh, but you know these are these basic skills right and and the we've talked about this on the show before you're you're not wrong matt when you consider that if you get too close to an issue, you get emotionally compromised. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of like it's hard to give yourself dating advice. You've probably made you – know, if, if you're married, you're thankful usually uh, <laughs> if you're happily married, right? But if you're dating, man, you make a dumb decision and you're like, oh, wow, how did I not see that? Everybody around you is like, don't do it. That's a dumb move. You make the dumb move and they were right. You get too close to it, and I always say, try to take a book, right? So imagine in your mind, you open the book up. Now I want you to just put your nose right in the middle of that book. Just touch your nose to the book. Open your eyes and tell me what you see, right? Blur. David, (laughs) this is you being the king of analogies once again. It's just a big old blur. You can't because you're so close to it. Now you pull that book back a little bit, a foot or two. And if you're a little older and your eyes need a little more distance, right? But it becomes clear again with perspective, right? You're too close to the issue. You make that clumsy decision. And I'd like to think that we can do something like that for our customers too. Sometimes having that outside perspective, the rational, fresh set of eyes can go a long way. I'm going to make you write a book one of these days, and it's going to be everything in analogies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> We live on the radio. We paint word pictures for it's our so, listeners. It's such a beautiful painting, too. Like, <laughs> you're a Van Gogh, modern-day Van Gogh. <laughs> well, look, gang, uh, as we run out of time, I will remind you, if you were looking for financial advice and you found anything of value here, you need to dive deeper for you personally. How do they reach us, Matt? I'm going to go out on a limb and say 541 Three seven five zero eight nine eight. All right, he is officially oh, on man. board. Gang. I didn't even have to get it tattooed anywhere either to remember <laughs> it. It's beautiful. All right, gang. Well, until next time, we got to run. This has been Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon, and you've been listening to True Wealth, sponsored by Littlejohn Financial Services, uh, on News Radio twelve forty KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.